Okay. And so we are now. We are now. Oh, it's so funny. Well, it says Parshas Bo B'Shalach. It's not. It's Parshas Bo. Parshas B'Shalach. Okay, so we're now we're leaving Egypt. Finally, we left Yosef. Now we're leaving Egypt. We're moving along. We're moving along. So, I want to talk about the very, very first thing we are told as basically the first thing we're told as um, B'nai Yisrael leave Egypt and what some of the, the decisions that Parash Baruch Hu makes and what they mean for us. So let's take a look right away. Source number one. It was when Paro sent the nation. God did not take them through the land of the Plishtim, Ki Karofu, which was very close. Ki Amar Elokim, Peni Nachem Ha'am Birasam Bechama V'Shav Mitzrayim, because God said, ah, you know, they're going to go straight into Eretz Yisrael, they're going to get very worried, and they're going to turn back. How do you know that God is, He doesn't need us to validate it, how do you know that God's right, that people would be quick to turn back? Oh, we see them I mean, they, over they and over and over and over, and over in the midbar, they say, "You want us to die in the desert? Let's go back. Better, we go back <laughs> better be slaves in Egypt than yeah. to die here in the desert." They say all the time, "Let's just go back already." <laughs> it was better there all the time. So God knows what He's talking about, right? But God always knows what He's talking about. So by so instead He takes them the secure, circuitous route. With, uh, they were armed, whatever. Fine. So, uh, should I should have brought a map with me. If I was thinking, I would have brought a map. But, let's do, uh, you want to do it really fast? Can you do it really fast? Can you pull up the Sinai Peninsula really quickly? Israel, Israel and Egypt on your phone. Map of Israel and Egypt on your phone. Group activity. Sure, why not? Everyone pull up a map of Israel and Egypt. Okay. Um, it doesn't really matter as long as we have the the Yamsuf and you can't drive there right oh you know what I can't do it I'm on an airplane mode so you guys can do it without me um, you pull it up a map yeah sort of we got it biblical version is fine too just make sure you can see Egypt. Just to make sure, just not to the map of Israel. Yes. Okay. So if you look at the map of Egypt and Israel, so what do you see? So you see, if they're coming out of Egypt, what's the fastest way to get there from Egypt? I don't know. I can't tell you exactly. If I was a better biblical archaeo, you know, map person, Egypt is somewhere over here. Okay. If you want to go to Israel, how do you get there? Straight you go straight across. Right. What is what? it called? The Sinai Peninsula. Sinai Peninsula. Sinai Peninsula. Yeah, you will go through the Sinai Desert, right? But if you want to get there quickly, you go up here into the Gaza, like, you know, right, right in here. Gaza Strip, what is now the Gaza Strip, right, that area. What did the Jews do? They, they, go, they go down, around, around into what's here, Jordan, and up, and they come across that way. Right? A very circuitous route. Instead of going, boom, right in, they go down and around. Okay? First of all, they go back, right? Um, you know, back towards the, the, the Red Sea, which is to do what? actually just to catch the Egyptians. Oh. Right? They don't need to actually go oh, through right, the Red Sea. That's not necessary. They have to go through the Red Sea is not really necessary even for the, for, the, for the route. But they do it in order to catch the Egyptians and then actually come out the same, according to many, they come out the same side, actually. And then they cross. Just to catch the Egyptians. Fine. But the bottom line is, 
it would have been a very kikarovhu, right? That's the line we're going to focus on here. That the reason, what, how should Hashem have taken the Jewish people? If you want to go, typically, unless you're wanting to avoid tolls with ways, right? Ways will take you the shortest way, even if it, even if it takes you like a million streets just to save that one 30 seconds. It'll do it, right? Because I want to take you the short... Most people want to go the shortest route. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much it costs. Get me there quicker. Take the GW. Take, yeah, take it quicker. Get me there that way, right? Take the battery tunnel instead of going over the Brooklyn Bridge. Whatever it is, right? You want to get there quicker. So everyone else wants to get there quicker. If we're good, then we can put our phones away because you're not going to show your phones. <laughs> Once you see it. <laughs> so good. So, so you could, that's just boom, fast, straight in. That would have been the normal way to go. But... God didn't do that. Why not? According to the Pasuk, why not? Wasn't he moving them around so that they wouldn't have the people die who were part of the... Okay, well, first ask what the Pasuk says. First, what does the Pasuk say? Then we can do what Chazal said. change their minds. Right. They're going to... They're going to get nervous. When they see war. And war with who? The Philistines. The Philistines, right? They're going to come into the, the Philistim. Right? There's seven nations living in Eretz Israel. The Philistim, actually, there's a biblical map would be even better. I think the Philistim are in the, south, the southern, southwestern segment of, don't, I think that's true, the southwestern segment of Eretz Israel. You have the, the, the Philistines there, the Philistim there. So what's going to happen? You want to get to Eretz Israel, they're not going to walk out. They're not just going to, they're not going to, all going to bow down. Oh, God's here with his people. See you later. We've been living here for a long time. Everybody can, can come right in. Right? The lot hasn't changed in the Middle East, right? They're not just going to lie down and let you in. They're going to fight you. And what's going to happen? They're going to freak out. We talked what? about this last year. You said that they, have, we talked about them having a slave mentality. And it, they, yeah. they, they never fought ever. They're not a people of war. Like, they have oh. no experience or Good. anything. I mean, it's a problem. So Sophia points, points out already. Yeah, so yeah, what do you got, Sophia? No, so if you continue, uh, what I'm just doing it from the English, yeah. when the Israelites left Egypt, they left out armed, armed out of the land of Egypt. And therefore? So therefore, why should they be afraid of war if they're armed? Okay, if so... If somebody gave me a gun and said, go for it, <laughs> I, really know, I have no military training, I have no experience, I don't know how to fight, I don't know how to, uh, there's no general, like, who, who's leading the trip. I mean, there's no troops, really. Good, good. So the, people. Good. So the very, right. So the very simple, simple explanation is these are untrained slaves. They don't know how to fight. So if God takes them right in, so that's going to scare them. And they're going to turn around and they're going to run out. Okay, they're going to run away. What's interesting is there's actually a, and I'm not, I want us to get too bogged down in it, there's actually a grammatical debate. I don't That's usually a, do this. Okay, there's a grammatical debate that goes on right now mm-hmm. in the Rishonim how to understand the word ki. Key, key. Yeah, so I'm sitting here thinking, well, it's ki karohu because he didn't take them that way, ki, although it was the fastest route, or ki dafka because it was the short route, he didn't take them so that th- way. So let's read the Pasuk again, okay? Ready in Hebrew and English, vayihi. And it was. Bishalach, I tell you one really cute thing though. Not cute, it's really nice. Bishalach Paros, um, did Paros send us out? Not really. He didn't. I mean, we. I thought he had enough of us and finally just said, get out. He did say get out, but really cool because Paros, grace that we get. But the puzzle is Bishalach. What did Moshe ask for from Paro a million times? Shalach esami vayavuni. The Medjus picks it up. Shalach, we asked him a million times. Send us. And I'm not going to send you. You crazy? Mm-hmm. Suppose the Torah do at the end? 
He said, he did, you did. <laughs> at the end of the day, you didn't want to do it, but at the end of the day, you did send us out. You did send us out. So it's very, it's, uh, that's very interesting. Fine. But that's not what I want to say. Fine. So he sends them out. God did not send the nation through the land of the Plashtim, that way into Eretz Yisrael. Ki Karov, who was? Ki usually translated. Because. because. God did not send the Jews through the land of the Plishim because it was close. So, so how, how, how do you read that? So, like, they say, like, in all throughout our histories of, like, 40 is a number of rebirths. So, okay. like, the 40 years, it's, like, because we needed that time to, like, okay. become a nation okay. and learn the ways of the Torah when we didn't have we're, gonna, like, we're about to get it. We're about to get that, it. Like, have life. a leader and have and like become one, become a nation, become like have unity and. So how do you? you know, good. If it was too close, they wouldn't have had the time, like, to even know your neighbor, let alone become like. So you're saying so. So what Liz is saying is, Hashem didn't send us that way, because it was close, right? That's not the usual way to. You wouldn't. That's not how does how do they translate it. Although it was near, right? The way they translate it is not that way. They translate it, even though I would think the right way to go is that way, right? So even though, so th- but that's not one of the translations of the word key, right? The word key doesn't mean even though. It means because, it means perhaps, it means other things. It doesn't mean even though, right? Uh, so so the, the word key doesn't really fit for that language because it really seems to say they're, going that, they're not going there even though it's close. Right? Even though that would be the way that would make the most sense. Look at, look at Rashi says, source number two. Rashi says, Because it was close and it would be the easiest way to get back. Right? <laughs> if, if you take them straight, what's going on? Rashi's reading it as because. Right? Because it was so close, it was the most dangerous way to go. Right? It's because it was so close that he didn't send us that way. Rashi says, because if it's really easy to get there, it's really easy to get back. If you give someone really easy, good directions to get somewhere, they'll have really easy directions to know how to get their, get their way back. Right? So Hashem says, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking you in that way. Not although it's closer. Not even though that would be closer. Because it's closer. Right? Close is not always what we want. We don't always want it so fast and so easy. That's not what we're looking for, which is fascinating. There's more of a conversation here. If you just look at the Ibn Ezra for a second, I don't want to spend too much time, but it's interesting. He says, He says, if you would go from Egypt to Yushalayim through the, the Plishti land, it's not very far. It's like a 10-day trip. If you just go straight through, it's a 10-day journey. Right, that's why we say it was even closer to get to Beersheba, where Yaakov was, when Yosef was in Egypt. We talked about that, right? Um, Otherwise, how did the Shvatim get there so fast? And when they came to visit, they came very easy. If it was a 40-year journey, that wasn't going to go. Even a year journey, it's not going to work, right? right? They couldn't have done it. So he rather says, the third line, Ki Karov, who it's underlined and bolded, Amrav Moshe, Af Api Shehu Karov. He's not saying like Rashi. Right? Even though it was close, he says. But then he writes, where it's underlined again, Ulufi Dati Ein Sarach. 
Ki tamo lama lo nicham elokim derech eretz bishim ba'avur shehu karov. And he says, like Rashi, the translated word, not as although, but because it was close. It's because it was close that I, that I didn't want him to go that way. Fine. So that's, that's really, really four also. Um, so according to this, what is the reason why God doesn't take us straight in? So that we don't run back to Egypt. So according to Rashi, it's like this, they're just going to run right back. Right? It's like mentality. They don't know how to take care of themselves. The war is going to come. That's scary for them to hit war right away. That's not going to go very well for them. Right? It's this concern that they might... It's just going to be... It's sort of avoiding the negative. Right? A fear of what might come. Okay. Fine. Any other possibilities? Any other reasons why God might have chosen not that way? I know the Torah says, because so you're going to see war and run back. So that is what it says. Too easily, you don't appreciate them. Like, you have to work for it. Okay. Although you need some independence, and they're not independent yet, so you need to postpone it. They can't do this yet, right? They can't, they're not, they're not able to do this, right? Ronnie, you're usually... to get acclimated to freedom. Right. Before they're going to rule their own country, before they're going to uh, attack other nations. Rona, you like to talk about this a lot, Rona. Like, what does Hashem want from them, right? You, this is your, one of your favorite... This is your favorite thing. No, I'm not kidding. I'm saying, because you're, like, you're always Rahman. It's on the people. And it's nice. Like, what do you want from them? It's too early, right? So look, so look at, look at, look at Rehearsh. Look at Rehearsh. Source number five. Source number five, the Rehearsh says something very similar. But we're going to connect this to actually another, another story that happens this week also. In the preceding section... The ideal mission of God's people was indicated through the laws of the Pesach offering, the festival of the Matzos, the consecration of the firstborn, the mitzvah of Tefillin. Right? Until now, we're told about some of the mitzvahs that they get at the way end of last week's Parsha. Now scripture returns to the narrative of the people who are in the midst of being redeemed and at the beginning of their path to fulfillment of their destiny. Right? So we talked, we like paused for station identification and like we let ourselves know, by the way, like there's a lot of mitzvahs you're going to do and Pesach is not just this time, it's going to be forever and there are other mitzvahs that have to do with leaving Egypt, like Tefillin and, and, and redeeming of the firstborn, etc. All, all related. Fine. The narrative, but now we're back to like life for these people and what their life is going to be like. The narrative immediately shows us that the people had not yet reached the ideal level to which they were called. At the same time, we see that they possess not the slightest trace of that power and courage which they could have attained and then retained freedom for themselves by themselves. Not only the attainment of freedom, but also its enduring retainment was through the work of God, was through the work of God alone. If it had been up to them, Scripture says, then upon seeing war on the road to independence and freedom, they would have returned to the slavery of Egypt. This despite the fact that they went out of Egypt fully armed. Right? It didn't matter. They hadn't gotten any of this through their own work. Yeah, they, okay, so like, they davened a little. That was good. They showed Hashem their interest. Shifra and Pua did something, and Moshe did something. But for the most part, the people are just kind of sitting there. Right? And they're just being taken along. Again, there are also those people who didn't believe, and they don't go. Right? Hamushim, the other explanation of Hamushim, is not armed, but from, from Hamesh, one-fifth. That 80% of the Jews didn't leave Egypt. There's a manager that says that. So that's not the simple shot. That's one that's right that they were. Did not leave? That's according to the Midrash. 80%, one fifth left. Chamushim, 80% died. It's, a very, it's a very difficult to understand how that works. But it's not so crazy if you think about human psychology, right? Which is that to leave is with that, even that effort was hard for them. 
to get up and to go because they've been used to this their whole lives. And it's the known versus the unknown. It's the known versus the unknown, exactly. And to get up and to go, that itself was hard enough. But it just furthers the point. Just to get up and go was so hard for them. Forget that. Just to leave with God surrounding you with a cloud and taking care of you, it was hard enough for them. Right? To go and, and fight a war, not happening. It's just not going to happen. And God knows that, and, he doesn't let, and therefore he doesn't take them that way. Okay. Um, the sword was not lacking at their sides, but the courage and the fighting spirit were lacking in their hearts. That would be very beautiful. But he didn't write it in English. He wrote it in German. But okay, fine. But, but it's beautiful. I'm sure he wrote it that way in German. Probably even more beautiful. More importantly, most importantly, they still lack trust in God. The quality that gives a person determination and courage, power and enthusiasm, no matter what the hand, the task, and under any circumstances, since he knows that all is in his hands. Fine. And that, by the way, in this narrative, the ordinary name of God, Elohim, is used. Only in verse 21, which speaks of God's extraordinary revealed guidance where he goes before them in a pillar of cloud, in a pillar of fire, does the name Hashem, yod recur, as in the account of the extraordinary wonders he performed in Egypt. Right? Because the point is that he's not doing that for them right now. The object of the establishment of the Jewish nation was that among all the nations of the world who do not know that their national lives develop under the guidance of God, there should enter one nation that is fully aware of God. A national life of this sort requires a person that he activate his own power to the full extent of his abilities to reach the goal set by God, whereas the success of these efforts should attribute to God's help, which is assured to anyone who acts out of allegiance to God's word. However, the children of Israel were not yet ready for such a way of life. That's a balance, right? That's a person who knows how to, be, how to have self-determination, but at the same time to say, I know it's because of Kodesh Baruch Hu is helping me, right? That's what he wants from us, right? It's that I, that I, that I, I, don't, I get up every day and I, go, and I work and I do what I have to do and I, and I take care of my family and I do all the things that are necessary and then I also recognize that even with all I do, it's only because Hashem helps me. It's this very like this strange right, dichotomy, as we say, right? It's like these two, two things that seem, to make, that seem to be opposites of each other, but we do them at the same time. I work as hard as I can, also recognizing that it doesn't really matter what I do, it's up to Hashem. Right? And I need both at the same time. But that requires someone who knows how to work hard and someone who knows how to trust in Hashem. The Jews know how to work hard when they're forced to, but they don't know how to do it for themselves, and they don't know how to trust in the Kaddish So they don't have any of the tools, and that's where they can't go. Okay, um, fine. And that takes, I want to get, um, I want to come back to the Chamele with experts. And th- that takes us to one other piece here. I mean, I didn't bring the, the, the Pesukim, but what's, what's really interesting is, as, we, as the Jewish people leave the Yom, where do they, what's the first thing that happens after they leave Yom's? May remember? They want meat. Yeah. Not meat yet, but water and water and water and food. Right. Which is pretty fair request. Pretty fair request. They want water and they want food, right? And they complain three different times. They ask for water and for food and for meat and for all kinds of things. And they're not punished. Then, they're not punished. But they're punished. They're punished when they go to eat the meat. They're punished later for the slav when they complain. But the, but the first time when they ask for water and for food, they're, it. they're not they're giving it to them. Moshe hits the rock the normal way. Mon comes. They mess up with the mon that they don't listen to the rules of the mon. But that basically they're not punished for that response for that request. It's a normal request. However, later on in Sefer Devarim, when some of these stories are repeated, Moshe rebukes the people, and he says, "You should never get that God basically says you should never test me." Like you tested me then. Because what did they say then? Hashem Is Hashem really here or not? That's what they say. And when they're asking for the water and asking for the food, they say, 
Look, is God still here? And is God around? Is God around? So this is after Yamsuf. So this is after Yamsuf. They get they cross the Yamsuf. They start asking for food and water. There's no punishment. There's no rebuke. They're fine. Later, though, right? Forty years later, okay. Hashem says to do it. By the way, I don't want you ever want to test him like you did then. And all the freshmen are like, "What are you talking about? What, that, they didn't get punished then. That wasn't bad. What's the problem?" So, so I heard a very nice shot. And the answer that I heard was like this. What do you want from them then? Right? They're, coming out of, they're coming out of Egypt. They have nothing. They are still relying on the Kaddish Baruch. What does Hashem give them? He gives them money. But what does He tell them? What are the rules He tells them about the money? You can't keep it for the next day. That's you can't hard. keep it for the next day. What else? What happens on Friday? Double on Friday. What happens on Shabbos? None. None. Those are the rules. Right? And also, you, and you, and you, because you can't keep it the next day, you just take the amount you need for right, that for day. day. Right? Those are the rules of the month. Okay? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to test them. It's supposed to be a test. And the question is, what's, what's the test? What's the goal? If you don't leave it over, you know that what's going to happen, God's going to be back the next day. Okay? Teaching them, teaching them what psychologists would call uh, you know, attachment theory, basically. Right? Attachment theory says that there's different levels of attachment, right? If you have a, a healthy attachment, what happens in attachment theory, basically, is it's like Dr. Mary Ainsworth, I think, right? Is that this idea that someone who doesn't have a secure attachment to their parents, so what happens when the parent walks away, they, they, they get nervous, they're not going to come back, right? That's what happens with children at the beginning. And then they start to realize, even though I leave, I'm going to come back. Right? And you can handle the parent being away because you have this secure feeling. I know that my parent always comes back afterwards, right? So therefore, even when they're not there, I'm okay with that because they're going to come back. My three-year-old right now, he walks around all day. Mommy, where are you? Mommy does, that. does not care if Abba is around. Does not, Abba's here. I don't mind Abba. I'm a mommy. And he, but wherever she is right now, right? he's not yet securely attached, right? He's still figuring this out, right? And that, and that Amistral in the desert, this one I actually made up myself. I think that's true. <laughs> they, do not, they, they do not have secure attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Why? Because... They were dumped in the middle of the desert, out of their life, and they, they lived their whole lives without... They lived their whole lives... It's like what's called an ambivalent resistant attachment, right? Which is that the, 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 when the parent is here a little bit, and then leaves, and then here a little bit, and then leaves, and, and you, you don't know. Like, is he going to stay? Is he going to leave? What's going to... Right? And it's like this uh, intermittent reinforcement, right? Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. That basically what happens is that what do they do? They're in Egypt. There's no God. God is not there. All of a sudden, what happens? Both of these adults, right? They live their whole life without God. God shows up, you know, smoke and mirrors. It's beautiful. God is the, a mighty hand, takes us out of Egypt. Amazing. Then what happens all of a sudden? We're walking through the desert and God is gone again. And what happens? Egypt comes. They're about to kill us. Oh, just kidding. God's back. Opens the sea. We go through. And then where does God go? Goes away again. But we want food and drink. Oh, okay, food and drink. Okay. But why does he do that? So, okay, so here's the... Here's why the, here's doesn't he do the first one where he always knows, you always know they're there at the beginning so that you feel comforted? So that's the... So I argue that's the month. What's the rule of the month? You have to trust. Every day you take one amount for today and no more because you have to learn that what's going to happen, it'll be there tomorrow. And the first time what happens, they take extra and it gets wormy, right? After time, and also what happens? Some people go out on Shabbos. And then eventually they learn to just go out every day, 
the man will be there. Right? Father goes, there's no, I don't see God, but I see the man. Right? So I don't see Matan Torah every day. I don't see Christians every day. I'm like slowly weaning them off. It sounds funny. They're getting money every day. But they're getting weaned off miracles slowly, slowly to build that secure attachment. So, why is, so Hashem doesn't punish the Jewish people because he says, wrong is right. What do you want from them? But he does. He kills off. Uh, okay, I, okay, okay, okay. Eventually, no, but, yeah. but, but I'll tell you, after all this, after, after a whole year of this, yeah. what does he expect? So she figured it out by now. Yeah. So, the Slav already is later. That's already asking for more. That's not enough. The money is not enough. We want more things. But the bottom line is, he's teaching them to, to, to securely attach them. So what does he say, though? When does he say, don't test me? Who's Moshe talking to? The next generation, the next generation who by then, they've grown up their whole life with it. Right? They've had it their whole life. You guys, he says, you don't have an excuse. Right? Your parents, uh, what do you want from them? It was, it, it was a mess for them. They had to be the ones to come out. Someone had to leave. Right? But they certainly weren't ready. What was the mentality to go of Israel walking around the desert for four, these children who grew up for 40 years as a nomadic lifestyle with this faraway promise of land, did they ever say, why are we still wandering? Like, why don't we just go to the land? Sure. Well, they, no, they were told why. Because we messed up and we, and we didn't listen and we didn't trust. Point where you're like, I'm done with it. Like, I don't know. Oh, like I'm sure they like, had a hard time. I'm done with this. It wasn't, I don't think it was so easy. But where did they go? I don't think they were going to go here. Right. They were stuck, right. This is their life. They grew up this way. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the smart ones would say, what's going on here? There's still nomadic and tribes that wander around. Right. And that's their lifestyle. Smart ones. This is where they were. what they were doing. <laughs> but the point is that what they really needed in the end was they needed that time. Right? They need that, and that goes back to Rashi, which is that you would have thought, get right in. Just go. And the answer is, just go. You can't even make the candles, huh? See, they can barely handle the money, right? And they can barely handle crazy. They can't handle anything, and I don't blame them. It's too hard for them at that point. But that, but that experience with the man is there to be that daily reminder. And eventually, what happens? By the way, to the second generation, they're told, "Don't test God." And why? Meaning, don't, don't, don't question Hayesh Hashem. Don't question, "Am I here or not?" Because what's going to happen to them? They're going to have the next stage, which is they go to Israel and. There's no mun. Yeah, there's no mun. There's no cloud anymore. And he has to kind of slowly lower them in, right, to this new reality. At some point, the mun stops in Yoshua. That's it. The mun goes away. And now they're like, what? And they've spent their whole life with mun. So they have, they have a new problems. And don't worry, don't worry. You read Navi, they have more problems than getting into the entire Israel. But the point is, they needed this slow progress in order to make it happen, which goes back to Rashi. Why, why didn't they go? Why didn't Hashem take them this, right. the, the easy path? Ki karovu. Because it was close. Right? That, was, that was not going to be the way it was going to work for them. It wouldn't be possible. They wouldn't have handled it. And it wasn't normal for, the, for these people to get used to that that quick. It takes a long time. And because of that, that's why they need this, they need this approach. Fine. But if you look at, if you look at um, <laughs> she has one other, other piece here, which I, think I, I thought was really nice. Um, take a look at source number six. Yeah, something else you want to read other than me? I love reading. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I oh, I, thought, I love reading her. I thought you said you so you want to read it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I sometimes I'm like, and I will just pull out the book, and she's just so refreshing. She's great. She's great. No, I like also she says 
Like, and even as she says this, and that's impossible. I can't be correct. I'm like, whoa. And she says, like, no, she does it all the time. It's like, that's imp- that, you can't accept that shot. That's not impossible. What I really like is this. So he likes Rashi. So she goes like this. She says, Rashi's reading, paradoxical as it is, is therefore preferable. Just because the root was the most natural choice on account of its proximity to the goal of their desire, just because of this, God stopped them from following it. The longer way round, in spite of all its parent, apparent disadvantages, was to be preferred. The lesson is clear. Many things which appear harmful on the surface prove in the long run advantageous. His ways are not ours. Not all that seems right to man is right in the sight of the all-seeing, all-knowing God. The advantages to be gained from following the longer route will be examined in our next chapter. Fine. But, and it, by the way, the next chapter, the next thing he talks about, she talks about is the mind, etc. That whole experience. That Sometimes we, we think that we know. Of course, that's that's the better way. Go go the fast way. Go the easy way. Go the right. We always think that easy fast is fast is best, right? Five G, whatever it is, right? We all want it better. What? Slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. Always patience. Patience versus. Hashem hardened Paro's heart. Yes. Nine times was it before? A lot of times. Okay. So he could have like kind of done the reverse and opened up Bnei Israel's heart to seeing him as God and accepting him. Like what? Why all of a sudden he had this compressed process to get us out of Mitzrayim really quickly? It took ten months. And this elongated process to get us settled okay. in Eretz Canaan. I don't know. It's a little. Okay. What do you guys think? What's the answer to that? What's an answer to that? Why didn't God just make us trust in God? Because he wants us to have the chiva Yeah, that's exactly the answer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but that is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, what do, you, what do you want from us? I'm saying otherwise, otherwise you're, uh, this is the same thing, by the way, that, that again, it's a problem, but that, that's part of the problem with even the experience in Matan Torah. Right? What, what happens in Matan Torah? As they say that, right, that the Gemara says that Hashem lifted the mountain over their heads, and so so the, what does that mean? Literally lifted the mountain over their heads. So so the Mefarshim there explain the Marsha, the Maharal say no. When the experience of seeing God was so clear that what happened, they had no choice but to say yes. So that raises problems. The Gemara says, great. So we really not on the hook all that time. They say yeah until Purim when we accepted it anyways, even though we couldn't see God, and it was on Purim when we didn't see God and we chose the Torah anyways that we really become on the hook. Because being forced doesn't mean anything. There's actually the Gemara we learned this morning, Dafa Shavua started, is the, the, the parak in, uh, in Chagiga now, is like all about like creation and what happened in creation. So one of the explanations of Tohu Vavohu is that Tohu was this, I'm not gonna, I don't really know what this means, but uh, the point is still the same point. It, it's like some green line that goes around the whole world and it, ca- and it casts darkness on the world. And it's like, what's that? What, do you ne- what do you need that for? And so the, does the Mepharshim explain that Hashem realized that if, he is, if the world was created in a way that we could just see Him and to see his, the truth of His existence without any problem at all, so what would happen? We'd be robots. Right? We'd have no choice. Like, wouldn't it be nice if every morning God woke, I woke up and God gave me a little wink? Like, just, you know, I'm watching you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very nice, but that's, that's not life. Because then, we, then we're robots. Then we have no choice. Then we don't have anything, anything to struggle with. So it's kind of frustrating for us. But it also is sort of the, that's, that's really the, the whole point, right? Is that, are we able to uncover the truth ourselves? And that's what the, the, the prototypes 
right? First, all these stories are all the prototypes for our own struggle. That's really all about, right? That's the avos. That's the story of the brothers. That's all this stuff. And the story of Bnei Yisrael Midbar is the story of us, right? Struggling to find Hashem. Hayesh Hashem Is God really there or not? Because we all feel like that all the time. It's God really around. I don't see God. I don't feel God. I feel very, you know, some of you feel happy. Some of you feel dark. How do we struggle, fight through that struggle and find the clarity for ourselves, which is not easy. We talked, did we talk last year, we were discussing this about how, like, why is that the greatest generation? Like, they had, they had yeah. nace after nace after nace after nace, and we are considered, like, the dregs of <laughs> we have none. Israel's history, and we have nothing, and we're expected to uh, believe and do Foul everything through. with nothing. And we have so many more mitzvahs than they do, so many darabonans and stuff, they didn't have any of that yes, stuff. Yes, it's I didn't have any of that stuff. I you could point to things and say, oh, you know, uh, you know, um, Israel, this, and you could, you could say things you can that find have happened, things. but it's still not an open nace where you could say, oh, it was literally right in front of us that everybody could say we saw it. It's not the same thing. And also, by the way, when they got into Eretz Israel, they still have Nevuah for a long time. Right? They have right. Nevuah for a long time, and then, and then Nevuah is gone. So you, so you could argue one of two ways. It could be that those, those generations were on a higher spiritual level, they're closer to our Sinai. But the other argument is just the opposite, right? And Rav Kook used to talk about like this. That like our generation is a generation that is seeking spirituality more than any generation in, in, before it. And it's the hardest for us, right? We have the most, in a certain sense, we have it the, we have it the hardest. Because we're, quote, on a lower level. But I mean, not lower level like we stink. Lower level like it's really hard. It's so everything's so covered up for us. And it's much harder to find your way out. And, and therefore, our choice to find and to discover is so much more valuable and so much more meaningful. And that, you know, it's not that we stink. It's the opposite. It's that we are kind of handicapped more than other generations have been. You know, every, each generation becomes more and more, you know, that way, held back in a certain way. But, then, but that means that our, our quest to uncover is that much more valuable. So you can see it as, you know, you can flip it in the other direction also. I like to see, I like to see that. I would like to be nice to get a little something once in a while. It would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. Like, I feel like they're so lucky, you know, and they, like, yeah. throw it away. Right, and they don't so do anything lucky. with it. Right. But it doesn't work. We talked about it before, right? It doesn't work anyways. Right? Miracles don't do it anyways for anybody. Right? See a miracle once. It doesn't, it doesn't, cha- it doesn't change things. It doesn't make you believe. It doesn't. True. That's, true. We, have ca- we have so many cases like that. And so it's not how it works. So we know that's not true. So the, really, the hard work is is the day, the day in and day out, right? It's, it's finding it even when it's hard to find it. And that's where the value comes and that's where the meaning comes from. Not when I see a miracle and it just, oh, see, now it's all clear. That's nice, but it's only valuable because you have to work hard to get there. You know, so I think that's the point. That, and that becomes, and that's key karovu. That which is karov, that which is close, that which is easy, seems great. And says God, actually it's not. The real, the real value and the real meaning is the, is the, is the secure, circuitous journey that we all take at different point, times in our life to find the Kaddosh Baruch Hu. That circuitous journey, that's the one that really is going to pay off more in the end. I just keep on thinking of like the survivors who fought for Israel. Yeah. And like how difficult it like must have been because like they suffered so much and then they had to like, like Israel didn't come easily either. And they, and they go and they get and, like, weapons. They still, like, right, like, yeah. they get weapons and everything. And, like they still, they still like fight for it. And like so many of them die in the process and still... Like, we're the ones who end up inheriting the land. Right. And we're kind of like the next generation. Right. But it's know. actually very much like that, I think. Yeah, but you sort of, like, you wonder, like, what, like what maintained... Like, they must have had faith in order to, like, fight for the land. Right. 
they had to believe in something. Something, even if they, despite like everything that they had gone through, and even if they didn't believe in God, they must have like believed in the land or something. It was just. I don't know. They had to have something from, from before, right? Something that was in, inside of them. Right. So. That, they, that they knew, they saw, some, saw a future that they had. Look, these right. are people who are living thousands of years after our history began, right? So they have that knowledge of that history. I'd, be, I'd love to ask them that question. But yeah, it's got to be something that they saw. They had that, that hope for the future. No, the like, didn't even have that. I'm saying they had nothing. They didn't have that. They well, they had, have well, the they, well except they did have the Avos. Right. Avram didn't true. have anything. Right, but right, they right. had, they still had their, they had the avos. They knew about that. that those are stories they knew, so they did have that, you know, that story, that storyline behind them of the ups and downs, and it was hard and it was easier. And they have, they have those stories, so they have something. But you know, and by the time you get to 1947, so they have even more stories, mm-hmm. um, and those are the stories that 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 take and us along. The immediate recognition that it was life or death, really, to have Jewish homeland. To have to fight. Right. 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 Like, like, we don't have the it. Next step. Like, right. right. They had to fight harder. Sort of like, right. Look what happens when we don't have a place that's safe. Right. So it's right. Even if you're not, even if you're not religiously motivated, yeah. right. you're right. Right. more than motivated. Not all religious. It wasn't religious. No. Right. 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 Somewhere, somewhere. Right. But yeah. Jews, the world hates us. We have to have our own land. But it's so. But I find it very interesting your analogy because right. very. It's a very yeah, analogous they were, story. The coming out of Israel. The people who came on those ships, the people who like went to Cyprus, they were all survivors. Right. You know, some of them were children. Some of them were like, oh, like you see these photographs. The people were completely, you know, they they were poor, they were bedraggled, and then they wanna they come to the slum and they wanna fight for it. Right. Like how much courage and determination mm-hmm. did that take? Right. You know, like you suffered through hell, and then like, you know, and then right. you have another test. Yeah. You know, like I would have totally given up one time ago. Right. Well, <laughs> gone. That's the but problem. Like, it's like, what would you have done? There's nothing. There's no, no place to go. No, but you could roll. But you no, could but you also roll like up in a ball. You could also roll up in a ball and 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 just give up. You could have like you given could up. Just die. Yeah. I mean, people did. Like you lived through the whole war. Why would you die now? I mean, fight. Okay. No, you're right, but, but I'm saying. But, 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 but it's hard. Lands. I mean, you people didn't. Right. No, but the, but the point being. But you could stay in Switzerland. No, stopping you, and you just had to persevere. Right. So that's it. Like, how do you still? Yeah. Just keep pushing. Like it wasn't like a place. It wasn't like a destination place that was established for them to go to. No, but Zionism was alive and well before the. They all wanted to go. Where else were they going to go? Central America. They were going to some of these other places. Yeah, how were they going to know? They did. That were all the fastest way out that was available. <laughs> yeah, but and there was, was, where was where we Zionists. Zionists. No, but some people made choices. Yeah, were, some people chose to go there. Zionists, who, that's where they right, wanted to go before the war, even. So now this is our opportunity. They chose, I mean, they literally right, chose right. to go there. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying it takes a certain kind of person to say, like, okay, 